0: Welcome to the Bearcat Chat, a podcast for everything Scottsbluff schools. Welcome everyone to the Bearcat Chat, the podcast about everything Scottsbluff schools. It's January. This is my first episode back after winter break. Um, And this one's going to be a little bit different this time. You know, everyone knows I love having students as guests on my podcast, um, have students a lot of the months, but this month I'm going to do something a little bit different and I am going to feature some teachers across the district and we're just going to have some conversations, um, a little bit about teaching and about what has drawn some of our fantastic teachers that we have throughout the district to teaching And just kind of hear a little bit from them about, you know, just lift the hood on what it is that they do in the classroom. So I have my first guest with me from Bluffs Middle School. I have with me Brooke Talkington. Hi, Brooke. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes. So um, for people who don't know, maybe let us know what it is that you teach at BMS.
1: Yeah. So I teach sixth grade um, social studies. So you may know me as Ellie, too, with my maiden name, since there's two Mrs. Talkington.
0: Yes. Oh, and your and your first names are almost the same. Yes. But you know, we, we like to keep it extra confusing. Right. Yes. At Blossom Middle School and things like that. But um, you have um, tell me how long you have been teaching at Blossom Middle School.
1: This is my 13th year teaching and at the middle school and same grade, same everything. So yeah,
0: it doesn't even seem like that's possible, but I yeah. think you and I actually started even though <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't run on a traditional school year, but I think we started the same year because this is my 13th year of the okay. as well. And
1: I know I had your son and I think that was my first year teaching.
0: Yeah, Maybe. that would, that yeah. would probably be right. So um, question for you, um, what inspired you to become a teacher and how has your journey in education evolved over the years?
1: Okay, so I I look back and I thought about being a teacher. I can actually think about it when I was in fourth grade. Um, I either wanted to be a, a teacher, a veterinarian, and then because I like maps, I'm kind of a nerd like that, I wanted to be a weather person, a meteorologist. And so um, it wasn't until I was in eighth grade, we used to do the job shadowing, and I was job shadowing Jerry Dr. Jerry up at Midtown Animal Hospital and got to see some surgeries and I decided this is definitely not for me. Um I've always liked kids, like babysitting through the summers. And so I think that's kind of where I started thinking about teaching. I would be setting little stations and things up for them during the summer months. And then um more in high school is kind of when I sought out teaching and um, I was originally going to be um, elementary. So, and then I kind of changed paths a little bit along the way.
0: Well, interesting thing about that, um, our SHS internship program actually has interns that go work with Dr. Up. Yes.
1: This day, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Just not for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I,
0: I think I had yeah. a similar situation where I decided that, you know, anything medical is just not for me, but you know, it sounds like you kind of got on that path early, yeah. but, um, I, I probably don't have to ask you this, but I'll ask you, like, kind of what brought you to Scottsbluff or what brought you to Scottsbluff Public Schools? I think I know the answer, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, so born, raised, still here, mainly my parents. Um, I'm completely just really involved and close with my parents, and so, and I also like this community and the district, and I'm a huge history nerd, and we have a lot of history here, whether people recognize and acknowledge it, Um, and so I came back to Scottsbluff.
0: Okay, so what type of history do you teach in your class or like what do students learn in sixth grade history of Middle School?
1: When I first started, it was U.S. history and then now it is world history. So it starts with ancient and then kind of goes into we end with the discovery of the Americas and colonization to get them ready for seventh grade. Super fun. So.
0: Yeah, that that actually is super. That's a <laughs> lot of material. It's a lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's fun.
0: <laughs> a lot of material in the school year. So, tell me this, what made you decide that middle school was the place that you wanted to teach and kind of what makes teaching in the middle level unique?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, at, at first I was really scared of the middle school because you think of just like crazy kids, hormones, just the craziness, right? All the drama. And, um, it wasn't until I was in college and I was about halfway, um, getting my, um, elementary degree. Um, and the kids I were nannying at the time, they were actually middle school age. And that's where I'm like, this is actually kind of a fun age. They were really goofy and silly and liked my corny jokes. And, Um, I also did a little bit more digging on the research with the curriculums and I'm like, Hey, I actually kind of like the, the different things. So I reached out, it was, I think, Mr. Schmucker, Dr. Schmucker. Uh, he was still, I think the principal at the time at the middle school. And I just asked him, I'm like, okay, so how bad is it at the middle school? And he was like, you gotta, yeah, you have to like the age group. And I'm like, I think I do like the age group now. And so that's where I started to change and pursue to get my middle grades education and kind of focus more on history. So
0: Yeah, I've heard that before and you know, even from a lot of really veteran teachers that, you know, middle school is somewhere that if you love it, you love it. And that's all you want to
1: teach. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I can see that too. I can see where it is kind of a fun age that, you know, they're and you get to teach a core subject, so yep, you can yep. get that same thing as high school, but they're yeah.
1: they're less close to adults, and they're more still yeah. kids. and they still like you somewhat, like, spe- especially sixth grade, so you can still mold them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm, you know, 13 years here, that's kind of a mid, you know, that's kind of a mid-length when you think about, you know, we have a lot of teachers who've been here a really long time, mm. and we've got you know, kind of a newer batch, too. So we're kind of somewhere in the middle on this journey. Um, But teaching, I think, has probably changed. I, even Mm -hmm. as a person who works in the school districts, but I'm not an educator, I can see that teaching has changed probably Mm -hmm. dramatically in you know, the over a decade that I've been here. So with the landscape changing, what strategies do you use to kind of stay updated on teaching methods and, and technology with teaching? You know, how do you how do you stay up on what's new?
1: The nice thing is our district really, I mean, we're really lucky here at Scuss We have the means for lots of different technology outputs and inputs. And so we get a lot of training actually through the district, which is nice. But then I am involved with just several groups online and then through different networking with travel and connections. And so just doing training with them. I also look for uh, free courses or different courses like history courses that I like to take online, things that kind of spark my interest. And so that's kind of how I keep up with different changes. And, of course, I think just having those collaborations with friends, whether, or teachers, whether they're from different parts of the United States or different countries, and then everybody can kind of piggyback off each other on helping each other out.
0: Yeah, I, I know the first, I think the first few years that I worked at the district, I don't think I had, so you, when you think of a school experience, you think mm-hmm. of your own school experience, yeah. and, you know, mine was back when, like, dinosaurs on the <laughs> earth, and, yeah. you know, I kind of get into an age there, and so I, I spent some time in classrooms and it's like, wow, this is really mm-hmm. different. You know, kids are learning some of the things that I learned much younger, mm-hmm. you know, the whole pace and how things, yes. even the structure, mm-hmm. it, it really is a lot different than I think what a lot of our parents may think of what the traditional school experience mm-hmm. is. And and the part that I don't know that people realize is you do, not only do you have to keep up on technology, you have to mm-hmm. learn new technology, but curriculum also changes. Right. Yeah. And in the case of history, um, history changes. Or Yeah, it does.
1: People are like, oh, no, history stays the same. But different research comes out and different just points of view with and how things have perceived. And so, yeah, in the methods. And so, yeah, it's, it is actually changing.
0: Yeah. And I think we see that in probably all our subjects. You know, Pluto's not a planet anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> know. Right? right? Yep, yep.
0: And so I think that's pretty common. Um One thing that I think um, it really kind of sets the middle school and how middle schools work apart a little bit is how um, collaborative the teaching process is at that level. So how do you collaborate, like both with staff in the building, Mm -hmm. but also um, with the students' families to support the students' overall development?
1: So that's one thing I love about the middle school. And especially on the sixth grade floor, how we're set up. I mean, we have constant communication with each other just because our classrooms are in close proximity, but we are very much like a family. And so anything that we need help with, we um, just kind of bounce ideas off each other. And so, and during those hard days, we help pick each other up. Um, Families, the nice thing is with this community, I mean, we are a small enough community where I think everybody in a way knows everybody, which can be good because then that's how you can reach out and help each other. Oh yeah. I know his mom or her mom. Let me reach out. Or, you know, so somebody knows something that can kind of help support students.
0: Yeah. I think, um, as a parent, sometimes, um, I would certainly want to make my own student, my own kids, teachers, like I would want them to have Mm. like the easiest experience possible, but Mm. I don't always know if I knew what that looks like. So I don't know if you have any advice for parents, like, you know, what can I do as a parent to kind of make teachers' lives the easiest?
1: It takes a village to raise a child. So I think if we're all in this together, you know, you're doing your thing at home with parenting, and then we help at the school, then we can all work together and help make, you know, the kids' lives successful with their education.
0: Yeah, so I, I think what I'm I think what I'm hearing you say is just, you know, maybe be willing to collaborate
1: and yes. you know, have line
0: have those lines of communication open with your with your students, teachers as much as possible.
1: Yes, yes. And just kind of um yeah, help if there's something going on too at home. Um we're happy to help kind of on our side as much as we can at school. And then the same thing, you know, some things that maybe methods or even if they're struggling with maybe social stuff or uh, maybe academics, some things and resources we can give you at home to help.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good message to hear that, you know, you can always reach out because mm-hmm. I know in certain subjects, even mm-hmm. with my kids, I feel like, oh, I don't know if academically mm-hmm. I can help you with this. I'm like
2: maybe you should go see
0: your teacher after school. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's nice to always, you know, for everyone to always know that, you know, the doors are always open. Um. So thinking about your students and knowing, you know, that we have a group, you know, we have a, a lot of kids that do Educators Rising mm-hmm. and things at the high school. Um, do you have any advice for students who may be interested in pursuing a career, you know, who maybe mm-hmm. are like you were, then yeah. being a teacher might be something <laughs> I'm interested in?
1: Yeah. Start now. Um, I think it's great how people want to observe or be teacher helpers. I know at the middle school, I think it's eighth grade now, you can be a teacher helper. And I think that's one of your first experiences that you can start more on a daily level. But then if you want to observe, yeah, definitely come in. Nothing wrong with you know getting a little fill within the classrooms, helping out. And then that's kind of the fun part now too. And I love how we have those uh, career academies at the high school is hey, do I like social studies? Do I like science? Do I like the elementary age? And this is where you can kind of really get that feel for it. Um, If you um, can also apply for your subbing certificate too, that is exciting too because that will give you that foot in the door and kind of some field experience of maybe what classes and what ages you like too once you get a little bit older after high school.
0: Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, the sub-certificate and the subbing route is also a way that if someone is an adult and maybe yeah. they're looking at a career change yep. and they're thinking, is teaching right for me? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't, um, oftentimes, depending on what your level of education mm-hmm. is, it can be fairly easy to get that sub certificate yes. and get in the classroom and give it a try and mm-hmm. see if it's something you like. So, to wrap up, I'm kind of going to ask all of my guests that I'm going to have on this episode this question. Do you have a favorite teacher that you once yeah. had that maybe inspired you to become a teacher?
1: Yeah, I have. I think at each grade level, I have one. Um, I had one from, and actually she's the principal at St. Agnes now. It's Mrs. Brown. Um, she really, I think, kind of helps, I don't know, set the tone of just what a teacher maybe is, what it looks like. Um, and then I also have to say, just in probably high school, uh, Mr. Largo uh, Mr. Deaver, they just really, I don't know, have that full-rounded experience of, I don't know, just what a teacher looks like. and But then also just molding me as a student and being that role model too.
0: Well, you know, and we talk about that, and two of those teachers are actually, actually all of those people oh, yes. are still active in I, education in this community. Yeah, yep. And two of them are still teaching mm-hmm. at Scottsdale High School. So that's pretty amazing. And it just mm-hmm. kind of shows like, the long arc yeah. I think that um, a lot of our veteran teachers have in terms of the difference that they make for students. So um, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you for having for me. on. Um, for our next set of guests, we're going to, you know, take a little trip over to Westmore Elementary and we're going to talk with a couple of elementary teachers about what their um, experience is there. And for our next stop today with this traveling roadshow of an episode that we have, I am here at Westmore Elementary, and I have two guests here with me right now. Go ahead and introduce yourselves.
2: I'm Michaela Olson. I teach third grade at Westmore. I'm Julie Lemon, and I teach fourth grade at Westmore.
0: Okay, yeah, that's right. We're going to talk a little bit of elementary right now. So to start off, I'm going to ask you guys the same question I kind of have been asking everyone else as I've been doing this episode. Um, And feel free to kind of either one of you jump in however you see fit. What inspired you to become a teacher and how has your journey in education evolved over the years?
3: That's always the first question you're asked (laughs) is why are you a teacher? I mean, the easy answer. My mom was a teacher. So I grew up, you know, with education being valued and I wanted to be like my mom. But I also always go back to, you know, the teachers that I didn't like. Like, I always wanted to be the opposite of that. And I wanted to be a person that made kids want to come to school and have fun being at school. So that's my main drive is just to have fun.
2: Yeah. Similar to Julie, Um, <clears throat> my mom was also a teacher. And My grandparents were both teachers, and my great-grandma was a teacher. Yeah, so when I say that it's genetic... You didn't have a choice. Right? (laughs) Well, and I I fought it for a long time in college. Like, I actually, I took, like, the healthcare career kind of path, like, high school and into college for, like, two or three years, and then I finally decided that, you know, I really think teaching is where I belong, and so then I made the little switch over, which added a couple years to (laughs) my degree, but... Um, I don't know. I really enjoy being a teacher. I enjoyed watching my mom's, like, mm-hmm. the joy that she would mm-hmm. get, and it was always valued in our home to have an education and to be educated and to be that educator, so
0: all right well okay so (laughs) at least we
2: know you're aware that there were other career paths I I was absolutely aware but it's I know I I fought it like I said for a long time I said I you know my great-grandma was a teacher my grandparents I told my mom I said I am not gonna be a teacher mom and then called her her one night I said mom I said you were right I I I did it I'm (laughs) teaching my major and she's like okay, well, what do we need to go from here? And I was like, just laid it all out. That's funny. Yeah,
0: I think think everyone kind of goes through that when they go. (laughs) I know my boys, when we were talking to them about their career, kind of what path they wanted to go. My boys all said to me, I want to do whatever it is that is not what you do, because whatever (laughs) you do looks incredibly boring, just, like, in front of a computer all day. And I'm like, no, it's actually really cool. Yeah, I think that's just how that kind of works. So with that, I guess, how did you, how did either of you end up, like, in Scott's Bluff? How did you end up at Westmore as your school?
3: Um, Well, I'm actually from California, so... Um, uh, my husband's job transferred him out here, so if I wanted to to stay with him, I had to come with him. So that's what brought us to the area. Um, so really, when we moved here, I applied everywhere <laughs> that I could, and luckily, um, I was offered a position here at Westmore, and so that's kind of how I ended up here.
2: Yeah, well, and being from Wyoming, um, people when I told them that I was moving across the border, they looked at me like I was crazy, right? And I just I didn't want to teach in Cheyenne. I'm from Cheyenne, born and raised. I went to school in Laramie. um, But I didn't like the school districts in Laramie. And I didn't really care for the size of Cheyenne at the time. And I liked this more, a smaller town feel, but still had, you know, like our Target Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a Walmart. It wasn't teeny tiny. So Scottsbluff was kind of like that next little stepping stone. It's not too small, not
3: too big. Exactly.
2: It was like a nice little stepping stone for me to just kind of move on my own, spread my wings a little bit, and then I ended up here at Westmore. Well,
0: that's really interesting because oftentimes we hear that um, teachers don't stay unless mm. they were born and raised here. They have mm. some kind of tie to the community. So it's really nice to see that kind of some other places' losses <laughs> have been around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that we do, and I know we do. We have lots of, even some really long-time veteran teachers mm-hmm. that have come from other places and then just decided to make this kind of their permanent home. Yeah. So, um Questions for you, um, as a teacher, how do you foster a love for learning and curiosity among your students? I think with elementary school, I think that um, this is probably something that's super important mm-hmm. because um, you're kind of that first experience that students get, and you kind of are you kind of create their outcome in terms of whether or not they enjoy school, mm-hmm. kind of like so what true. you had talked right.
3: about. I think for for me, it's a lot of making it applicable. I think Mm -hmm. when you're teaching something that's really abstract or really foreign to kids, if you can make it relatable to them and they kind of make that connection to, oh, I can use that when I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, we're doing fractions. So I think about, like, my kids that like to bake. They're starting to, like, see that relationship there. So I think if you can make it something that they see the why in it there there's more buy-in that way
2: yeah I also think just asking them questions for their mm-hmm. questions like expanding that knowledge or saying um well why don't you go grab your Chromebook and look it up and you can mm-hmm. tell me if especially if it's a question that I don't even know yeah. I'm like why don't you look it up for the both of us like that would be fantastic I really want to know what that is too so just kind of like buying into their interests mm-hmm. I think is really what that's always what I gravitated gravitated towards as a student like i really enjoyed those teachers mm-hmm. that took the time to be like oh well why don't you look it up for the both of us mm-hmm. so then i can learn something from you maybe and they really seem to like that
3: well and it gives them more ownership over it yes too, when you do it that way that's Absolutely. a great idea yeah yeah and it's fun
2: when we're doing stuff
3: and they'll ask a question that mm-hmm. just it, it, they've really taken it into their own direction and it's like, I, I don't know, buddy. And they get so excited because <laughs> they've like stumped you. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well. <laughs> right? They're
2: like, let's see what we can do. Yeah. The teacher wondered today. <laughs>
0: yeah. But, well, and the funny thing is, I don't know if people think about it or not, but you talked about like fractions and that part. Some of the stuff that you learn at this level is very mm-hmm. applicable mm-hmm. into day-to-day life, whether that's like how to read a clock or oh, yeah. whether mm-hmm. that's. You know, like you said, fractions, maybe that's just making sure you get your own share of the pizza. That you're yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of different ways that um you you build upon it, right, mm-hmm. when you get up into those upper levels. But you really do just kind of assimilate the things that you learn in elementary school mm-hmm. into into what you do. And elementary is unique, I think, because you have to sort of be the experts in everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to teach all the core content areas. So do you guys have a favorite one of those core content areas that you like to teach? And how does teaching everything affect how you deliver instruction?
2: Um, I actually really like math probably the most. And a lot of that has to do with our math curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had student taught in Cheyenne, I did not care as much for our math curriculum there. And it. I definitely feel like it showed my teaching. Here, when I moved to Scott's Bluff um, with our math curriculum that we have, I love how hands-on it is. And I love that the kids really get, like, that aha moment because they just really love it and, like, the hands onness, the games that we get to play, um, that sort of thing. So I would probably say math is top, probably one of my top favorites.
3: I would second. Math is definitely my favorite, but I feel like math is just so
2: manipulatable, Mm -hmm. manipulative.
3: You can do so much with it. Like, you can make games with it, and you can make – you know quick easy quick checks with it and Mm -hmm. same thing like Michaela said I love our math program it's just the way kids think about numbers and number sense and math is so beyond what I was able to do Mm -hmm. even as a college student so it's it's amazing I really really like it
0: yeah yeah, it's really not the computational kind of math that, like, I was, you know, back right. with dinosaurs, yeah. you know, that I was taught back in the day. And I've seen it. I've been in, in classrooms and observed. And it's, you know, it's great to see how excited yeah. that kids get. Yeah. That was and not something do. that I remember in my own school experience. We'd be like, oh, not math class. You're and right. here, you know, they're doing number corner and those things. And they all seem to really enjoy well, And they enjoy can it.
3: break apart numbers. and Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the ways that they solve problems are not ways that I would have seen, but they see it, mm-hmm. and they're they're connecting it, and it's amazing.
2: Well, and I love, too, the freedom and the flexibility mm-hmm. that Bridges really gives the kids mm-hmm. because we are, in third grade, we're taught to show them all of the strategies mm-hmm. and present them to them, but when it comes to the tests, they're not expected to use a certain yeah, strategy. Yeah, same as ours. It's like, right. we'll
3: show you all, but then you pick the one yep. that works. And I
2: think that that's fantastic because, once again, they're taking mm-hmm. ownership of their learning yeah and that's huge for it to click and for it to stick Mm -hmm. so i just think it's fantastic absolutely
0: so and you talked about it we kind of segue into the next thing you know you talked about testing a Mm -hmm. little bit and um i would like to know since uh, you guys are kind of at the grade level where assessment kind of really starts and you have the most assessments Mm -hmm. um compared to some of the other grades so Tell me your thoughts about the role of assessment in education and kind of
2: how you use it to be able to gauge progress. Yeah. Um, As we know, like assessment is not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Like as teachers, I feel like you go to college and you're kind of taught that, like, you know, and you're taught about all the different kinds of assessment, like formative, summative, um, informative, like those kind of assessments. Um, myself, for my teaching, I really look at those assessments, just say for math, for example, since we're talking about math. Um, What I think is so powerful about the assessments in our Bridges Math curriculum is having the pre-assessment and the post-assessment. So you can truly show kids and you can show families, like, well, here is the test before we learned anything, and here is the test after. Like, look at how much your child grew. Mm -hmm. And we also, in third grade at least, like, we review those pre-assessments, right, before we take the post-assessments. And they're not exactly the same, but reviewing them, the kids kind of have those aha moments when we do that. So I think having that sort of assessment in the classroom is beneficial. Mm
3: -hmm. I struggle with assessment (laughs) partly because sometimes I feel like we've gotten to a point where we assess Mm -hmm. to assess. Like, it's time for an assessment. Let's assess. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really important to make sure you're using the data that you're getting from your assessments. Um, I've been in fourth grade a pretty long time, so at this point, I kind of know what assessments are going to give me the most value. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think I think I do a lot more informal assessing throughout the day with, you know, whiteboards, thumbs up, thumbs down, or left mm-hmm. to right, or whatever it is. I actually get more out of that kind of stuff than I do the sit down formal assessments.
0: Yeah. So. That's actually a really interesting thing that you bring up, because I don't think people think of that as a form of assessment, but when you break down, well, what is assessing? Actually, mm-hmm. show what you know. Yeah, And so anytime, and then that's just simply data at mm-hmm. that point that becomes, okay, we we know that, you know, most most of them are getting this concept or maybe, hey, we need to work on this. We need to go back and maybe we didn't quite yeah. grasp this and we, we know we can't build from here unless we have this
3: concept. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of hard sometimes, like if you think about taking a math test, mm-hmm. are they being assessed on math or reading? Because if they can't read the math test, they're not going to pass the, the math yeah. test, but they might know how to do the word problem. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They just can't read the word problem. Yeah, that's Or true. vice versa. You know, we do Wit and Wisdom. You know, we do our reading assessments, but they're reading something brand new for the very first time. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you compare that to something that they're deconstructing and pulling evidence from? Yeah. So it, it, it is kind of hard sometimes to, you have to remember what are you assessing and right. what is it you're actually looking for.
2: Yeah, and kind of find the balance too, mm-hmm. of course. And then... With, like, because, you know, the data is, like, the hard, like, the black and the white kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But, like, Julie said, when those kids can understand it, but they can't read it themselves, Mm -hmm. then that's hard to assess. Like, well, like she said, are you assessing reading or are you assessing math? Like, what's the nitty-gritty of what we are assessing? Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I really, I like the perception, though, because Mm -hmm. I think that those are things that maybe families don't always think about or understand. I know sometimes... You know, you look at some of the results and it's like, wait, I need someone to explain this to me. Right. It's it's one test,
3: one day, one moment. Yes. Like it's so so true. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do them, but you got to really take it Mm -hmm. for what it is. And you know your students, you know your kids.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's why we have daily work, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you you get more than one opportunity to be able to show what you yeah, know.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I love the pre and post. That is yes, so nice. Like, because kind of like they, bookends they and then, see the, the growth in oh, themselves. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, kind of like bookends and then to use like those informal mm-hmm. assessments in the middle, I think is like the really, like the sweet spot. Like that is the yeah. way to do it at least. Yeah.
0: Okay, so tell me. I, I didn't ask you this question, and neither of you really said it. How many years have you been teaching?
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, I have to kind of think about it. I've been at Westmore for nine, uh, and I talked to you. So this is my 11th, uh, 12th, year. 12th year teaching.
0: And this is just my third year. Okay. That's great, though, because we kind of have a mixture. Yeah. Here, and so um, tell me, are there any kind of, like, different innovative teaching methods or special projects that you've implemented in your classroom, maybe this year, recent years? Something that you're, you know, maybe you're doing that you haven't ever done before?
3: Not none that I've never tried before. We do do a lot of projects in fourth grade. We do, like, a living wax museum. We do a Pioneer Christmas celebration. So we do do some activities, but we've done them before. Nothing that would be new this year.
2: Um, I've implemented, so my grad studies right now um, are in technology instruction. And so oh. I've actually taken, like, those new grade assessments, like you were talking about, for Wit and wisdom. And I've transformed them to be on Seesaw. So oh. I read it to the kids, and then I, so I read the passage to the kids, and then I, it's also my voice reading the questions as well. So then the kids can go through and kind of click and do that on their own. So that was, like, one of the assignments that I've done before, um, just, That's like, for, cool. my, for my grad school, and then also for, like, my <laughs> classroom student, use. Yeah. Um, also, my boyfriend is a teacher, and he has been using um, VR headsets.
1: Oh. in his classroom
2: and i think that, that is so fantastic i have not used them um in my classroom he teaches in potter currently um but he finds that to be really hands-on and engaging for his he teaches social studies so they can literally go to like a battlefield almost like, like time traveling that's yes, really it's cool. exactly like that <laughs> it is so cool so like that's just something innovative that he's done um even for the upper grades as an example that's cool
0: Boy, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, You know, I put on my son's Oculus one time, and I, the- and I thought he was going to fall down. <laughs> I, just, like, around. I don't know about that. They are very
2: so. interesting, because we have our own, like, a personal use one. But, yeah, he has, I think, eight headsets for his kids oh in his goodness. in his classroom. And he got that through Did Grant, they get a Grant right? or something? Uh-huh. As as yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and it's, it is so cool, because they can literally, like, walk in that world. That's and cool. So, yeah, that's I just like cool. to, to highlight that because that was totally his idea. And Yeah, yeah, that's really, it's amazing
0: some of the things that people come up with in oh, the yeah. classrooms mm-hmm. to just, hey, I had this idea, and I want to try this. And that's some of the, I think that's some of the beauty, though, of schools is that most of the time um, all the rest are like, okay, like, that mm-hmm. sounds great. Give yes, a yeah, a like, Let's see what you can do. Yeah. yeah, and he's even
2: a part of, like, a Facebook page where he kind of presents, like, hey, I did this with my kids, like. If you have VR headsets, like, you should really try this out with yours and, like, let me know what you think. And, yeah, so that's that's really cool what he's done. That's neat. Okay, so question for both of you. And this one I've been asking
0: kind of everyone I've been interviewing. Do you have any advice either for some of our students or really it could be anyone, it could be people in another career (laughs) who maybe want to pursue a career as an educator?
3: You know, I think think there's always – positives and negatives to everything. And I think teaching is one profession, you hear a lot of the negatives.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So my biggest advice would be to just remember your why. And, you know, there are days that that are tough and you, you hear a lot of negative. And I think if you focus on that, then unfortunately teaching will never <laughs> yeah. have a bright spot on it. But, you know, my advice would be, you know, to definitely explore it, spend some time in classrooms, spend some time observing, mm-hmm but remember why you want to do it. And if it's a good enough reason, then you'll stick with it.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, um, I don't think anyone can be a teacher. I feel like there is, you know, something for all of us. Um, and I think that that's just what we bring to the world. Like, I just feel like it's we genetic. all have, it's, yes, it's not just genetic, but like some people just have gifts that are more apt to the classroom than others. And that's not to say that like teaching is a very passionate career. Mm-hmm. And I think that, Um, just like I am not suited to have a bank job day in and day out, you know, I feel like we each have our gift that we bring to the world and those that can teach, I feel like, yeah, go for it. And like Julie said, like get in the classroom any way that you can volunteer, um, that sort of thing. And then look, see what that path looks like for you.
3: Mm -hmm. Cause it's not for no, everybody, and I think you can have an idea what it's all about, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, and and even across grade levels, like, yeah, it looks very different at a high school level, a middle school level, an elementary level. Well, let me say that I agree with you.
0: Um, <laughs> I am one of those people that could never be a teacher, but and I'm not old enough for this yet. But I feel like with the job that I have at district office, and I spend time in classrooms, but I don't teach. Yeah. That it's kind of like being a grandparent. It's like I get to go in and I have stuff with
2: kids, and I'm like, and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay. sugar them either. up and walk out.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much Show. exactly kind of how that works. I get to come yeah. in and be distracting, yep. and then here you go hand it over and um I knew I knew that you know I never had any desire whatsoever to be a teacher yes I work in education Mm -hmm. but obviously I work in a non-teaching capacity and I was affirmed that when I came (laughs) to work here but I also like I have so much respect for the people that do because it really is it is a special gift Mm -hmm. um to be able to work with kids you know all day long day in day out and Mm -hmm. you know be able to be so supportive of them all yeah. the time.
2: Well, and we we giggle about it being, because I do say that it's genetic, you know, it's, it's all, and it's literally all on my mom's side, right? And so it really, Julie and I got to, like she said, her mom was a teacher too. You know, we got that modeled to yeah. us at home as well. And so it was just kind of like, it was just second nature almost. And yeah. it just kind of puts some validity behind that. Oh, it's genetics. Yeah. <laughs> was, kind of giggle and <laughs> laugh. Well, you might kind of want to know if your house was like school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did grade papers when I was little, so. Yeah, like did you have to put up a little sticker on when you your Right. Yeah, right. thumbs up, thumbs down. Just a five.
3: My mom actually went all the way through, so she was my principal. She was oh, my wow. superintendent. Yeah, like she did it all. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I saw all of it. But
2: My mom teaches, um. A an elective in Cheyenne. And so I, people would always ask me, are you going to have your mom? Are you going to have your mom? She teaches a junior high there. Mm. And I said, no, I get that at home. like, no, I have enough of it. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not going to take your class. Yeah, we'll save a seat for somebody
3: else.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll give it up. Don't you worry. So here's another question that's kind of been there for everybody, but I want to make sure that I ask you guys, and that is do you have a favorite teacher that you have, or even one that you work with today that you just kind of want to give a shout out to?
3: Oh, I love everybody I work with. <laughs> I know we
2: are so. Or oh, could be a favorite. We teacher. are Very so bad. blessed here at yeah. Westmore to have so many good people, and we truly are we supportive have of, of people. Yes, we do have a lot of passionate people, and we are, you know, like we just take care of our people here at Westmore. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's huge for us. Yeah. Um, I will say though I do have a, a very favorite teacher that's very near and dear to my heart. Um her name is my kindergarten teacher and it was Miss Bougard. Um she just was she just was my person and I it was kind of a tumultu- tumultuous time in my life in kindergarten and she was just that teacher that she said I'd come in crying and she'd say you you just come here and sit with me and she'd hold me and I just I needed that when I was five, you know. And, and that's the I kind of just, teacher
3: you are. <laughs> well, that's how you, you are. You will come and love those it's, babies. I know. It,
2: it, it is kind of, because I've been told that before. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but um, we call it my magic fairy dust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some people get to um, witness it in the office some morning. Some people yep. just know that that's who I am. But, but that, it's that it's so why. interesting yep. to see that. So um, it was actually really special. Miss Bogard's last year of teaching was the year before it was my first year teaching, so a lot of her stuff she handed down to Aww. me so it it really came full circle and so oh, she will so cool. she will always just be my my kindergarten teacher oh, and I just love her dearly oh, so yeah
3: <laughs> uh mine was my seventh grade math teacher, miss mm. Uh I just remember I again she was one of those good teachers, not not mm-hmm. the bad teacher, but uh just was really not passionate about school at the time really didn't like going and she made it fun she made yeah. me want to be there and I still remember to this day her dancing and singing these like <laughs> songs the, I don't know it's like I'm a brick <laughs> like, I still remember her singing that, that and her telling me watch someday you're gonna listen and it's gonna be elevator music and it is and it, it is, is now. now it is. Is.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so, oh my yeah. gosh that's so fun yeah
0: yeah, and it's funny because everyone that you ask, pretty much everyone has that mm-hmm. story of mm-hmm. that good teacher yep. yeah. that had an impact on them. So final question, why do you why do you stay or what
2: brings you back every year? The kids. Yeah. Kids. Hands down.
3: Even the at the end of the year when I'm ready to say, have a great summer and <laughs> and ship them off. I there is nothing like coming back. And seeing them again, and getting a new group, and yeah, when old students come up to to say hello or to see you, the, those are the the reasons that I come back.
2: Oh, absolutely! I still have a group to this day. They're fourth graders now, so oh, they yes, yes. some Julie has or sees um, down in her neck of the woods. But I still have a group to this day that will come and si- like search mm-hmm. me out at mm-hmm. the other end of the building yep. just to come and see me, what I'm doing. Yeah. Or if they say
3: hello to you in public. Oh oh my gosh. gosh. That's like the ultimate compliment. Oh my God. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Or they know um, I'm very like open with my students. So I tell them my stories and stuff. So they even know my boyfriend Jake and they even say hi to him. Or they ask, how is he doing? Did you show him the picture I made him? Like, so they really, they really love to hear that we are people too. And I think that that's what makes them that's yes. just what makes it so great. Yeah. Just the kids.
3: <laughs> There's yeah. something about the innocence
2: yes. that's still in a
3: child, and it. You know, especially when when you look at the world around you and and mm-hmm. how negative it is and how scary it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you walk in and they're so excited to tell you what they had for breakfast, <laughs> like,
2: literally, just, or dinner. Yeah or- <laughs> that
3: that innocence in children, I think if you if you try, you can kind yes. of get lost in it a little bit and.
0: Yeah, they definitely have the ability to kind of bring up the best in all of us. So, yeah, you know, yeah. there are times I will, you know, maybe I'm having a technical problem or something's going on the office. I'm like, oh, I'm having the worst day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. Oh, I have to go to the building and go do this. And then by the time I come Ooh. back, I'm like all happy. Oh, and yeah. I yeah. go beep off it in the office. I'm like, oh, you should have seen this one. <laughs> <thing. laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. And like, the kids were so great. Yes. So it it does. It kind of leaves it. Leaves a,
2: mark on all of us yeah Mm -hmm. well and it just makes you feel like it just makes you feel light you know what i mean like it just makes you feel young and light and it's like okay well this worry that i have is really not that big yeah like if this child can come to me with everything that i know that is going on in their home Mm -hmm. and they're like miss olson the baby goats are not here yet but they're coming and i have pictures of the goats for now but the babies are coming and you just like that just makes your whole morning mm-hmm. like that just lights up your world like that's just so special yeah yeah well the two of you have been fantastic guests today. <laughs> thank, thank you. you thank and you for
3: talking like, with yeah. us yeah
0: it's been great talking with you it sounds like our kids at westmore are very well taken care
3: of
1: <laughs> thank you we try. trying we try <laughs>
0: yes So with that, our our next stop is going to be someone very familiar to everyone that we're going to go see at Scottsbluff High School. And for today's last guest, I have headed myself up to Scottsbluff High School, where I am very lucky to be here with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Derek Deaver. Hello, Mr. Deaver. Hello, Melissa. How's it going today? It's
4: going great. It's going great.
0: Well, I'm really glad that you um, decided to be on the show here with me today to um, talk about teaching because, you know, we kind of have a whole mixture of teachers I've talked to throughout the district, but I really wanted to have someone from the high school as well as someone that was a veteran teacher. So tell us, what um, what do you teach for the people that don't know, and how many years have you been with the district?
4: Um, currently right now I teach personal finance and business math, and I'm the internship coordinator. Uh, previously before that, I taught uh, marketing um, and uh, ran DECA, also been an assistant coach. Um, I've been with the district for 39 years, um, 37 years as, an, as a teacher and a coach. and two years, I, I tried being the activities director for a couple of years, which was a great experience, but uh, wasn't for me. So I was glad that I had the opportunity to go back to the classroom and, and uh, work with DECA and coach football again.
0: Well, there's always definitely a need for those people that really just find that the classroom is the place that they want to be. So to start things off, I'm going to kind of ask you a question I've been asking everybody, which is what inspired you to become a teacher, and how has your journey in education evolved over the years?
4: Probably the biggest influence was my dad, because he was an educator. Um, My grandmother was also a teacher, but uh, I was getting a degree in marketing, um, which I really liked marketing, and my dad said... Why don't you get a dual degree and try education, and that way you're more marketable, and those things. And so I did, and then I went on and student taught to, to obtain a second part of my degree, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I never actually got in the marketing world because I love teaching, and, and uh, fortunately, Roger Dowdy called me at the end of my uh, senior year at University of Wyoming and, and said, come over and interview and, and offer me the job, and uh, 39 years later, I'm still here.
0: Well, that's, that's amazing, and I think it's really interesting. That's something that I've noticed since my time here is how many um, teachers really are kind of legacy. They come from a teaching family, so to speak. You, a lot of people oftentimes have a, a parent that's an educator or some other family member that was an educator. Um, so... Tell me about, because I think when we think about the, the work that you've done with DECA through the years and um, the class after class that you've had and the people who always are like, oh, I remember, you know, Mr. Deaver and alumni. I think when we think about that, we think about like the great relationships that you've made with students through the years. Can you discuss the importance of building strong relationships with students and how it has contributed to your success in your classes?
4: Thank you very much for the kind words, too. Um, yeah, I, I think probably everybody asks me, even young teachers and, and even ones that have been in it for a while, they, they always know what's the key to teaching, and it is relationships. Um, I think you got to like kids, and that's what it comes down to. And, and in all my years of experience, all the really good teachers and all the teachers have been in it for a long time really like kids. Um, you know, we always talk about the, the techniques and the methods and the activities that we do in the classroom, but when a kid knows you're genuine and that you care... Um, then that builds those relationships and that makes builds an effective classroom.
0: Yeah, I really think that that's the common thread that when you look around and you see so many fantastic teachers, the ones that we have all the way from you know early childhood all the way up to this level, I think that really is the bond that everyone has is that at the end of the day, they're here for the students. And I think even um, the people who are non-educators who do the work in this building, they really kind of share in that journey as well. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And I am going to actually ask you something a little more on the technical side. So um, tell me, because I think I think you've had the opportunity to really um, see how teaching has evolved and how things have changed. And I was wondering if you could share your perspective on um, the importance of fostering critical thinking and problem solving skills for today's students. I think that's something that we we see that our our community our workforce is telling us that we need more than ever
4: yeah i think that's the big aspect that is the contents there um, and we can teach the content but it's the analyzing like you said higher level thinking skills applying that knowledge um and that's why i think you know as well as anybody we applied the career academy model discussed with high school that we give them the concepts and the information and the, and the knowledge and then they take it out in the workforce and apply it, and that makes it more realistic and relevant to the kids. Um, so that's the big thing. Kids today are very bright and they're very technologically advanced, even more than me as an old veteran teacher. So I've learned a lot of that. But um, they need to apply those those critical thinking skills that set them apart from others.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree, and you know I'm glad that you brought up the career academy model because. Tell me a little bit. I think um, the internship coordinator—that's a completely different position. It's a position a lot of schools different, don't have. Tell me, like, tell me what you've enjoyed about you know having a few years to kind of work in something that looks you know a lot different than traditional instructional delivery.
4: Yeah, it's it's the the internship program and. and post-secondary has done it for years you know as teachers we student taught you know as an engineer you had to do an internship with the company so we finally figured out that we need to apply it at the secondary level um and again it makes it relevant for the kids i think the biggest thing in, and that's the beauty of our communities uh, is they've bought into this programming they understand that you know um it's every child you know every day in it and they understand their role in it and uh It's very unique to have this community, and and we have a lot of diverse occupations here um, that allow these kids' opportunity to see the real world. So um, they come out of here with a pretty good idea if that's what they want to do or if they don't want to do it based on the internship experience. And we're lucky that I would say in my years of doing this, probably 95% of the kids it it, uh, validated that's what they wanted to do. Some eventually changed, but they didn't get to that post-secondary level and go to school for four years not like what they wanted to go into.
0: Yeah, and I I have to ask, I, I've been wondering, you know, with given the breadth of um, the types of, in, I mean, there are, are internships all over. We have students everywhere in the community. Um, does that ever make you feel like you have to be an expert in all, in all sorts of careers? I bet when you were, you know, went into college, you probably never thought that you would be, you know, working with veterinarians office, that you'd be working with banks, that you'd be working with, that you would have a diesel tech shop named yeah. after you.
4: Well, and that was it. I mean, I, we always had an internship. It was always business-oriented through a marketing program through DECA. So I had the links to Platte Valley and, and and the retail community. But when we went to Career Academy, we had to go to every career, from our welding and fabrication to our medical professionals. Um, we get a lot of kids into the legal aspects and into engineering. Um, and we have these great companies in, in, in our community that take these kids on. So it is very diverse. I don't have to know as much because I really rely on my community partners, um, and it's great to have them. Um, And I think, I'll be honest with you, I think it's really about our school system and our community together, too.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And we're really fortunate to have um, the level of involvement from our community partners. It's really just, shown how much the community is invested not only in the school district itself but just in the career academy model and the things that um teachers such as you are trying to get accomplished here at scottsville high school Um, so a little topic change here with um with as many you know you are a veteran teacher and with as many years of experience you have um I, i would be curious to know like. What what changes or, like, if you could change something about how education and the education system works, like, what kind of changes or improvements would you like to see? And how do you envision teaching will look in the future?
4: Um, I think, from my perspective, I think school systems, particularly Scottsdale Post School, has done a great job of really meeting the needs of kids over my 39 years involved. I mean, I, I've watched schools change, and, and this school particularly, and try to meet those needs and the needs of the community and those kind of things. Um, but I think it, we've got to focus. That's got to be a community thing, and we have to have the support of parents, and parents have to buy in, and they have to support the school, and they have to emphasize their kids coming to school um, and those issues too. So we need to keep educating uh, parents. I, I really believe that they're, they're a huge aspect um, in, in in their child's education, you know, and and uh, so we've got to get them to emphasize the importance of education to their children.
0: Yeah, I would agree, and I think it's that thing that parents really are just as much of their child's educator as a teacher, or even though um, it may be something that you don't even realize that you just do in your day to day life. But yeah, I think it really will um, take all of us coming along. With um, our schools, in order to really provide the best type of education that is works for every single one of our
4: students, you might know too. There was a study put out, and if you look at the hour contact hours that a teacher has with a child and the contact hours that a parent has with the child, it's significantly more with parents and and the development of their child than the you know six or seven hours they spend in in, in a schoolroom. So. Um, the parent aspect is, is a big part today in, in, in forming a child's future
0: Sure I mean they we get them you know on nine months out of the year yeah. for about a third of the day and then yeah. the rest of the time you know they they belong to the community and they belong to um, their family and so that that is that's the reason why we all kind of have to be in this together um, do you, Thinking here's another question I've been asking everybody, and that's: Do you have any advice for students or even adults in the community who may be interested in pursuing a career
4: as an educator? You know, I'm biased because I've been an educator, um, but I think it's a great Admiral career, very rewarding, um, and it has so many upsides. The relationships you've built, um, I think I count. I think I have 15 former students. Or administrators in this building that were students of mine, you know, and that's to me really exciting. Um, the we look at the time away from work, education provides that. You know, I have always had my holidays off, my weekends off, and um, that's not again you know, other occupations, but there's a lot of upside, and financially, it's not everything, but we're fairly well compensated for what we do. So, um, I can't see many things except sometimes the, the bad news we hear about education, but. Uh, I can rarely remember 99.8% of the time that I did not want to, you know, I loved coming to school every day and had no issues. So um, the upside to being an educator is is there.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes um, the education gets a little bit of a bad rap in the media and sometimes on the national stage. But um, I think in a well-supported district like ours, um, it really can be an amazing place to work. And I think we, I think we sort of have the... Proof of that, because we have teachers like you who have stayed. I mean, this has been this has been your only district, yeah, right?
4: I came here and I haven't left, yeah.
0: Yeah, this has been your only district your entire career, and you're not the only teacher who I've encountered through my years here um, that has been that way. And I know we talked about this. You said I could say something. This is hard to talk about, but this is going to be your last school year here. So you're retiring at the end of this school year. Um, tell me, is there, what is it about the special of High School that you think you will miss?
4: Well, first of all, the people. I mean, um, the students, of course, they make it all worthwhile, but the leadership in my building, the leadership in my district, uh, the teachers I work with, the custodians, the support staff, the counselors, I mean, um, I told Dr. Dick when I, in my accident, in my interview, or leaving the district, I told him there's no reason for me to leave. I can't I, uh, nothing's forcing me out it's just a life change uh for me and my family and and uh, those kind of things so uh, it is yeah it's the people more than anything but then we've, we've evolved so well to be so progressive in this district to to do unique and creative things for kids and that that i think sets us apart and that motivated me as an educator
0: yeah, and I think you'll probably find, you know, maybe after you leave us you'll find some other way that you can contribute or or bring, you know, some of that innovation or, you know, if nothing else, just keep us on our toes. Absolutely. Here. So, um another question that I've been asking pretty much everyone, do you have a favorite teacher that you once had that you would like to, you know, maybe recognize or, or give a shout out to?
4: You mean one I worked with or one I had?
0: <clears throat> Either way.
4: Okay. Um, yeah, I had uh, a fantastic social studies teacher and science teacher, Mr. Richards, and, and uh, uh, in, in, in high school that really, really uh, uh, motivated me and loved him. Mr. Tindall was a very excellent science teacher, and uh, social studies teacher, um, Mr. Samuels, it was awesome. So those guys uh, really, really uh, kind of set the tone. Not that I ever thought about education in high school, but I look back now and really appreciate their effort and the things they did and, and how dynamic, charismatic they are. And then... You know, the the people I work with in this building are incredible. You know, I mean, uh, Mr. Largo uh, is an icon and not only a fantastic teacher, but a great role model. And it was a great mentor for me in this. Uh, Clancy Trump being another one that I can look up to as well. And then I have some really dynamic peers right now. You know, Um, I I look at Justin Guyp and the things he does and and how he's doing those things. I know I'm missing somebody, but it's... it's, uh, it's incredible, the incredible you know, teachers I get to work with, you know, and those kind of things that uh, mentored me, were close friends, and I could collaborate with to, to help my teaching.
0: Yeah, I think um, no matter who you ask or when you ask them, anyone who truly um, loves the educational experience, um, that is going to somehow come back to some teacher that made a difference to them um so knowing that this is your last school year is you know is there anything any advice you have for the rest of the staff here anything you know thing you want to tell anyone before you leave us
4: you know i'm not very smart so i don't have a lot of wisdom to do that but you know i think you uh, you're in a great career as a teacher um this is a great place to work you know um, don't let the little things get you down now and then. Everybody has a bad day, but if you ask an accountant or an attorney or or anybody else in the other occupation, they all have their bad days. Um, but the big thing is, I think truly, it is one of the most important jobs uh, in this country, and it's it's uh, the one thing that we got to have is is new young teachers, and and uh, it's a very very important job.
0: Well, that you said that you didn't have any words of wisdom, but that sounded like wisdom <laughs> to me. So there you have it, folks. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I know I certainly had a great time going around the district, getting the opportunity to talk to these fantastic teachers that make a difference for our students all the time. And we, you can always get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, or the link on the district website. And we will see you next episode.